I think Jesus is most magnified through our weakness, through our failures, through because it shows that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Um, and I, I would say that's true for sin. It's also true for suffering. You know, if you're like going through a really hard time and you find comfort in him, that's equally loud. But I don't think people are inspired when we get our doctorates or when we manage to like, hey man, I memorized all these verses. And I mean, it's great, it's good, but I don't think people are given the hope of a, of a, a gentle and merciful savior who loves people like, you know, like them. This is the Defiant Dad Podcast, show number 10, coming to you today from the great state of Texas. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Uh, Defiant is defined in the dictionary as showing a disposition to challenge, resist, or fight. In this podcast, it equips fathers to fight for themselves and their families using the truth of the gospel. You matter, Dad, uh, to your kids, to your wife, to your family, to your community, to your coworkers even, to God, you matter. We live in an age where God-fearing men are despised and their words are shunned. Uh, this, this shouldn't surprise you. Uh, the evil one seeks constantly to kill and destroy you and to kill and destroy men like you. And as a result, we live lives that are constantly filled with disappointment, with struggle, with letdowns, burdens, heartaches, and of course, our sin. Uh, the thing is, we're not meant to tread through these treacherous waters alone. Contrary to what we are going to hear in culture, um, the, these burdens, they're not yours alone to bear. Um, standing up and saying, you know, I'm going to handle all this myself and I'm going to close it in and box it off and be the strong brute of a man. Uh, that may be culture's view of masculinity, um, but it, it's not the right view. Uh, these struggles you carry, they belong to the Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come, says, quote, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For today's episode, I speak with Pastor Ryan McCarthy. Uh, he works as an associate pastor at Christ Chapel in Fort Worth, where he has been for a long time. Uh, his previous role there was within their soul. Uh, excuse me. His previous role there was within their soul care ministry. And uh, in this episode, we dive into what exactly soul care is and why it should matter to fathers like you and I. Uh, this this truly. I say this without hesitation. This truly is one of the best interviews yet on this podcast, and I really hope you're going to listen to every word. Uh, Ryan's such an engaging speaker. Uh, he's also a husband and a father, and I know you're going to get so much out of what he has to say. Um, and so, without further ado, this is Ryan McCarthy. <laughs> what in the world is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, man, well, Ryan, thank you so much for for coming in. We're uh, we're rolling now. Oh, uh, sweet man, it really means so much to me that you. I'm glad. To I hear mean. You. We, we've known each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, I started coming to TCU in 05. Um, I must have met you somewhere between 05 and 09 for the first time, I think through Ben Connolly. That's right. Because uh, I've never actually been to Christ Chapel. I've never been to any services or anything there other than like a couple times I've played music for things there, for weddings or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but that's where you are. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I've just been so grateful to get to know you a little bit off and on through the years. Like, yeah, it's funny. Like, I wouldn't say we're like friends, but like I know you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so thanks. Never had an interaction with you I didn't enjoy. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, um, but we just didn't cross paths regularly. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's that regular proximity or, you know, 
uh, regular crossing paths that like you okay well that's my buddy yeah but um yeah and every time i've heard you play you're really good thanks brother Mm -hmm. thank you so much well i keep hearing how we need to get together and jam sometime because i keep hearing uh what a great drummer you are chris taylor is like your biggest fan oh that's awesome i'm telling you he 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 brags about you playing drums every single time i think you come up a conversation it's like if if that's the case it's it's like a purely in the legend myth kind of thing because (laughs) you know you get it gets to a middle school kid every drummer is amazing right (laughs) and then you grow up and you realize oh mediocre okay ryan how old are you man 50 as of 50 last week that's hard to believe you don't look 50 appreciate that i mean it man seriously Thanks. Yeah, 50. I, man. Yeah, it's it. I, I don't feel fifty, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know what fifty is supposed to feel it, like. You know? If it happened overnight, I'm sure it feels horrible. But <laughs> yeah, it's like a frog in the kettle right? kind of like slow boil thing. You don't yeah, realize it. Oh, that. my my joints hurt. <laughs> yeah. So where? So like I said, I know you from from Christ Chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your What's your official role there? Okay. So. Um, just as of again, I of July first, I moved over to associate pastor at the Fort Worth campus. Uh-huh. And um but for the eight years before that I was with Soul Care. Okay. Doing primarily counseling. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. That's, and I was yeah. so confused. I went on their website the other day to uh to to steal your headshot off their website and I said associate pastor and I was like, hmm, well that's great. I love that. I mean it's seems like the perfect fit, but I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, yeah, when I, when I was looking for soul care ties on your, on your page. Yeah. And I, was, and I, mean, I, was, I mean, I bet you, I bet you they just changed it. It must I mean, have been, I must be one of the first visitors. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, cause I, I think last time I looked, it said soul care and I'm like, that's fine, <laughs> but I still get to do soul care in this, in this function as yeah, mm-hmm. associate pastor. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which, that's great. And it's great. Um, did you, <clears throat> did you grow up in Fort Worth? I grew up in Kansas city. Kansas City, okay, um, and that was until I came to TCU. Hmm. Okay, what? So you're you're a Horn Frog graduate? Yes, awesome. Yeah. Go Frogs. Yeah. What what year did you graduate? Ninety, uh, ninety six. Ninety six. Okay. Ninety January of ninety seven. I did a victory lap. A victory. <laughs> what you What you major in? Uh, psychology. Psychology. All right. Did you happen to take any any of the classes at the incredible religion department at TCU? Yes, I did. Actually, I became a Christian my freshman year at TCU. Yeah. And I thought. Oh, I had to study religion. I mean, this is Texas Christian University, right? And it took me about five seconds to realize this isn't—they're not talking about the God I met. That I met. Uh, actually, I remember uh, just a side story, Please. and I'll probably go way over on time with no, these stories. We're good. We're but all the time, I—I I, so yeah, I have a crazy conversion story. Yeah, but when I met God, it's sort of like a road to Damascus experience, where I was like, oh, He's God, and I—I okay. I knew. That he's all powerful, and the, the, whenever I'd read the Bible, it was like these are the words of God. This is amazing. Well, I took understanding the Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, I was sitting in a class with a lot of football players in it. It was, it was kind of a perceived to be a blow-off class, and mm-hmm. the first assignment was to read Genesis one, two, and three, and read some chapters in a textbook. Mm-hmm. I came back, and the teacher opened up the second class with the question, "Okay, class, what is evil?" And it was crickets, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm sitting kind of in the second row or something. And I raised my hand. I said, um, a shortcut to good. <laughs> and I'd been thinking about it a lot. like, And and she looked at me blankly and she said, uh, okay, anybody else? <laughs> and a football She's... player in the back said, apple. And she, okay, good. And then someone else said, serpent. Good. 
and I I was done. Now I was saying a shortcut to good. I was like I was hoping she would tease that out. Like yeah, you you want something good? There's a legitimate way to get it. But you think I'm gonna I'm gonna steal? I'm going to mm, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do this my way? Mm. And I mean this is just I I had no biblical knowledge. I was just you know trying to figure things out. And I think but yeah. that's the least a discussion right there. Yeah. And I remember I was done. I mean I. I I think I stuck, stayed in the class, but I, the, I had other classes where I, they were just trying to deconvert you. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty awesome for a Christian university. Yeah, it's well, Texas sees something. I was I was drawn to TCU for a lot of the same reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted, it was good for me. It was a good school. Oh, I loved it. I don't have any regrets. Honestly, yeah, me too. Me I too. don't. I mean, I met my wife there. I've got so many friends who are still close friends. It brought me to Fort Worth, which. I consider my home now. You know, I've lived in Fort Worth now longer than I've lived anywhere else, and yeah, so me too. You know, where'd you say? Where you, I grew up in. I grew up in the Houston, Houston area, okay, in, okay. The, in the Conroe area, okay. north side, and uh, love it there. My mom still lives there. Obviously, I love going to visit and sometimes think about moving back. But like, I Fort Worth is just home. You me know, too. and especially living here on the southwest side by TCU, still like, it's it's fun. Like I can still remember the first time uh, I went down Hewlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the back seat of. <laughs> You know, some older, uh, some I was a freshman in like the back seat of like a junior's car. We all went to to the Krispy Kreme, you know, which you remember it was Krispy yeah. Kreme, and then it was Taco Cabana for a long time. Now it's Chipotle. Yep. Uh, which seriously is like three hundred yards from my driveway yeah, now. So it, it cracks me up that like, you know, and it, yeah, it just it's stuck in your memory, and you you liked it, and yeah, and the people have been yes, the people are so friendly. Mm-hmm. I ca- I I I came to to TCU as an atheist. Which was ironic because I actually had two uh, two prejudices, which were Texans and Christians, and um, I got a letter from this school that I'd never heard of at the time, and they really—I mean, they weren't as big as—they were nothing like they were they right. are now. Oh yeah, yeah, but much different place back then. I, uh, you know, there was a—they um, I, I, they were looking for drummers, and I sent a tape in, and I got a, a, an offer like for the a drum scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, they were looking for like, you know, people in the marching band and all that stuff. And I did that, but I came down thinking, why would I go to a Christian university? But the the women were beautiful. And (laughs) Playboy at the time had rated them the third best looking school in the country. Okay. I knew that in in the 90s. Okay. Um, Yeah. In the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I remember thinking like, I can handle this, you know? And so I came down and it was, uh, it it was an it was a really poorly informed decision, but a wonderful, you know, move of the providence of God. Absolutely. I I started off. I everybody I met, I would I would debate them about their faith, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I'm launching into my testimony. No, please go that's on. Okay. That's, okay, that's cool, actually cool. the very next thing I was going to ask um, about. I've heard, as an aside, I've heard from three different people since I first texted you. You have to ask Ryan about his testimony. Hmm. Uh, and it's, I love this because for the first seven or eight guests I've done, I've asked them for their testimony just because I think there's so much value in hearing someone's testimony. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think, I even think there's like a lot of people who are culturally Christian, you know, who mm-hmm. think they know the Lord, but who actually aren't Christians yeah. you know, when, when the rubber meets the road. And I think hearing someone's testimony can definitely help yeah, awaken, awaken, you know, a calling in their life. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and for me, uh, I, I one thing I'd always want to say is after hearing my testimonies, a lot of people, you know, wonder like, I don't think mine should be a normal testimony, the fantastic kind of stuff, the, yeah, the crazy stuff that happens. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm really more compelled and ministered to by 
the people who grew up in the church and they thought they were Christians, and then they had a moment where they came to realize, wait a second, I've been relying on myself, and Jesus did this for me, and those ones are a lot more accessible for me today, and yeah. I think your average person. The, my story has a, wow, God is... he. That's that's interesting, you know. God, that, that's you know, it has a kind of a good apologetic uh-huh. aspect to it. Yeah. Or might people make might make people think I'm weird. Um, <laughs> but okay, so let me get back to that. I guess um, I I was miserable because I just thought everybody here were. I figured everybody was just sold out for Jesus and weird. And whenever I would debate with them, most of the people who were probably just nominal Christians would just kind of back out by saying, well, you just got to have faith. Mm-hmm. And I would walk away thinking, well, you're stupid, you know? And and, and, <laughs> yeah. and I won that debate in my mind, and I was being solidified in my arrogance, in a sense, mm-hmm. until a guy named Chris, who played trumpet in the marching band, hmm. I, didn't, I didn't need to go look up his last name, I can't remember. Hmm. Nice guy. We were walking back from Daniel Meyer, Meyer Coliseum over to Clark Dorm, and mm-hmm. in that short walk, found out he was a Christian, we started kind of I started kind of taking jabs, debating at him with him, and he would say things like, well, that's a good point, but have you thought about this? And I'm like, oh, no. I don't remember any of the specifics of it. Yeah. I just remember thinking, oh, this guy's got some, he's thought about this. Yeah. And then he was respectful. He would sometimes say like, well, yeah, I I can totally see where you're coming from. I just, I don't agree with that because of this. And I just remember it's dawning on me that maybe not all Christians are idiots. And he earned my respect in that short walk. And by the time we got to the steps of Clark Dorm, we stood there, talked for a few more minutes. He said something like, hey, man, well, I got to go to bed, but let me ask you, is it possible you could be wrong about your atheism? I was like, yeah, sure, it's possible. So, okay, if Jesus were real, if God is real and Jesus is the Son of God, I mean, if that were true, would you want to know it? I was like, Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. And he goes, well, why don't you go up to your room and say one prayer? Ask God to reveal it to you. If it, you know, and what's the worst that can happen kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, Especially I will. if you're an atheist, like, what do you got to lose? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went up to my room, and I remember sitting on the edge of my bed, looking at the ceiling tiles, sincerely saying, God, okay, if you exist, reveal yourself to me. I'd, and nothing happened right then. But... Two months later, I had my first bad mushroom trip, mm. um, and I had done mushrooms a few times, mm-hmm. and it was mainly pot and hallucinogens were what I was doing. Uh-huh. And um, I was up at KU. I mean, what else do you do at KU other than drugs? <laughs> um, sorry, uh, Jayhawks. <laughs> well, anyway, now I'm, I was visiting my friends there, and, and I'd only done shrooms twice. This was the second time. I remember sitting there, and they they're supposed to last five to six hours, and I remember sitting there, an hour and a half had passed, and I wasn't feeling anything. I was like, I got ripped off. Hmm. And um, But then all of a sudden, I noticed that my knees tasted funny. I'm like, that's weird. I can taste my knees. And it quickly dawned on me, oh, I'm tripping. And that's that's actually kind of common. Not I don't know how common, but they're called cross-sensory experiences. I mean, I'm not okay. literally tasting my knees, but my brain's telling me that I'm tasting my knees. And and at the, But the taste was not good. It tasted like blood. Oh. And the taste spread to my whole lower body, and pretty soon it felt like it tasted like I was soaking in blood. Oh. And I remember just immediately realizing, oh, no. I, I've heard of bad trips. Bad trips are really, really bad for some people. Some people even take the, their lives in bad trips. Like... I'm having a bad trip, I can tell. And the moment I realized that, it was like, 
this is scary. I, I'm scared about what, where this is going to take me. I, I remember feeling my soul getting pulled down, hmm. almost as if you were to drop rocks in a sock and the sock would stretch and sag. Mm -hmm. um, my physical life felt like the sock, but my soul felt like the rocks. Mm. So I don't know what was really happening, but I know that I didn't believe in a soul, but my soul's getting pulled down. And, and it felt like, I mean, it, had I had the vocabulary now, it felt like I was like being pulled down to hell. But as that was happening, my mind was going 100 miles an hour thinking of all these things I didn't want to think about. It was like the don't think of white elephants, except don't think of terrifying, hellish things mm -hmm. that you would. And, and I was just out of control. And I realized, like, I, I, I can go into a ton of details, but about 30 minutes into this, I, I went to the bathroom, splashed water on my face, thinking that works in the movies. Mm -hmm. It didn't. It made it worse. Mm. I, I came back out. My friends were just telling me it's in my head, and I sat down. I remember taking a sip of Coke, tasting something going through my shoulders, and then I look up at the walls, and I'm seeing like demons mm. coming out of the walls. And I just knew those are demons, and they know me. And they're they're enjoying this like i'm i'm being tormented and i realized i'm not experiencing emotional pain i'm not experiencing physical pain this is spiritual torment mm. and at this moment this is 30 minutes in these things were like the scales falling off my eyes i realized these three things at the same time having never read the book of romans mm -hmm. i knew that if i were to kill myself i was going to hell and it was of course i've chosen this i i it was crystal clear to me at that moment, I'm going to hell because I chose this, chose this and there's absolutely no defense, mm -hmm. which is Romans 2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew at that moment I was never an atheist because I just was, my best way to say, God, I don't want you controlling my life is to say you don't exist. Mm. And the God that I claimed I didn't believe in, I knew at that moment with crystal clarity was the God that I hated. Mm. And I also knew I didn't, consciously want this now that I need to see where I'm going. And I thought to myself, I, I can't handle another five seconds of this, N nonetheless, like five hours. And I thought in my head, God, please save me. Mm -hmm. And the moment I thought that, it's like I was sobered. It's like he showed up and there was no battle between the demonic and him. It's like he flipped on the lights and the darkness doesn't resist it. He, yeah, I was sobered. And I think of when Jesus calmed the storms and he said, quiet, be still. And it's not just the, the, the storm, it was the waves that, you know, I yeah. felt sobered, not perfectly sobered, but like I, I was at peace and things were clear and I, my chin dropped like, oh my gosh, God say the, the, this God that saved me in that moment was sovereign. It was merciful. It was personal. Mm. He saved me as quick as I would save my own son if he were drowning. It wasn't like, look who's crawling back, or you know, mm -hmm. you, you get mm -hmm. it now, son. Yeah. It, he he saved me with with joyfully, and and I I remember, um, I did my best right there to share what I understood with my tripping friends, you know, mm -hmm. and I had no vocabulary to get this big idea through my mouth, but I I um I you know I and funny thing is is the only thing I quit that night were shrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like you touch a hot stove and it burns you. I mean, they, they were terrifying. I, I continued. It took me about a year to look like a Christian. I mm -hmm. had to have a similar experience on pot. Mm. I got in a drunk driving wreck. Mm. Uh, all, all these things happened in the first year where God mercifully 
let me see what I was messing with. And by the end of my sophomore year, I I was going to a church and you know I was wow. living by the Bucks guys and wow um, I wasn't like you know squ- squeaky clean obviously but yeah. I was yeah. uh, actually living for Jesus by the time I graduated college at least so wow that's the abridged version that's incredible yeah that is an incredible story um yeah I agree I mean I I I often get teary eyed you know right around when I realize like I never recount this because. It's just so fresh. I mean, like the fact that he he did that for mm-hmm. me, and I mean, he does that for all of us. But I got to see the dramatic version of it. Yeah. Um, and then it makes me wonder why I doubt. You know, I don't doubt yeah. him, but I you know I doubt my choosing sin. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. That's um, I'm speechless, man. Just thinking about it. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's incredible. You know, as someone who I grew up in the church, like later. <clears throat> my family didn't really start going to church. Like we went off and on, you know, all the time growing up, but like, I didn't really start going to church weekly with my family until seventh grade, mm. you know? So I still think I grew up, you know, in the church. And so to hear, hear your story, I could see, I appreciate what you had to say before, you know, the preface, you know, about like not everyone's, uh, conversion experience would be like this. Right. Um, how incredible it must be for you to, like you say, hear the story of Jesus calming the waves mm-hmm. and being able to identify with that so personally. Uh, yeah. Man. And something I that, still, that I, I wish mind. I could still consistently retain was going from not knowing the word of God at all. And I, some people, it, my, my, that testimony is not uniquely Christian in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I knew it was Jesus. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have, I, I didn't have the vocabulary to articulate the gospel at the time, right. but I knew that I was a sinner uh-huh. and I needed rescue, and it was Jesus that I hated before, and it was Jesus who rescued me. Yeah. And I think understanding the gospel afterwards was you know what happened. But what what really hit me was I just needed a Bible after that. Yeah. And when I opened it up, I I figured out that Matthew was where you hear from Jesus. I started reading it, and the Sermon on the Mount it was just like, oh my gosh, these are the words of God. Hmm. And let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more is from the you know, the evil one. I'm like, whoa! And and everything was just hit me like, this is amazing. He spoke to us, and hmm. I wish I always had that kind of sensitivity because I often you know find myself trying to trying to get interested. Some you know yeah, the, I get it. Yeah, um, yeah your but, fervent, uh, your personal fervence. Let's say it ebbs and flows. I mean, it does, yeah. it does. But that the sweetness of that. Mm-hmm. You know, those, I mean, experience. it was like it's like your first date, you yeah, know, with your with your wife. You 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 meet her like, oh my, wow, here she is. Yeah, and um, I kind of, but but those words were almost tattooed on my heart, mm. and um, even like the the Proverbs three five and six, I remember, you know, coming across that, and it's like the words just jumped off the page and you know spoke straight to me, in a way that is Harry Potter could never. You know, do yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I love the way you say that. Um, uh, something I I I find comes up a lot in these discussions and with discussions outside the podcast. You know, with with believer friends is how um, how the word of God truly is living and active. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not just a beautiful metaphor to say that it's really engaging. Yeah, because actually, there's quite a few passages in the Bible that are not very engaging. 
but it is the oh, truth yeah. of God. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, and and it, it it changes you. you yes. Know? Yeah. It, it, it because again, it is God's words for you. Um, yeah, absolutely. I I loved also what you say about your conversion experience. How you you hungered for the Word. You know, um, a common phrase we hear in, in modern current Christianity is, um, you know, God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the called. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah. And I think there's elements of truth to that, but like you were clearly called and immediately you, that your spirit yeah. within you was like, I don't know if you'd even say it this way, but it seems like you were clearly longing to be equipped because you, you needed a, it, it's not like you had a, um, you know, if when Joe Rogan talks about on his podcast with his guests tripping on mushrooms and he sees God, right? it's not the same thing hmm. as what you had. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I believe, and this is, I, I I hope nobody's building their theology on what I'm about to say. Yeah. Because it doesn't, my 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 belief doesn't hang on what I'm about to say. Okay. But I believe that hallucinogens are opening you up to the spir- a spiritual dimension, and you're in a sense allowing yourself to be serenaded by the enemy. Mm-hmm. Like he he can well second second uh, Corinthians ten uh, he can he can he masquerades himself or is it eleven he masquerades himself as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. I think he presents himself yeah. as uh, as God to people in that state. Yeah, and yeah. and it's almost like you know that image where you have a, uh, a person saying "Here, kitty, kitty," and they've got an axe behind them. Mm. That's how he does it with with and it, he mm-hmm. he desensitizes us. Yeah, and um, and then in those bad trip moments where you read about someone you know taking their life and. I remember literally in that bad mushroom trip experience of mine, I remember seeing in my head, TCU student kills friends, comma, self. Because mm-hmm. I had a moment of thinking, if there was a gun here, I'd shoot my friends and then I'd shoot myself. Oh, man. And I wasn't that guy. I wasn't the, uh, I-, I was a student council vice president. I was I was a nice guy. Kinda yeah, yeah. Like, but something else was going on. And I had, Satan had revealed his hands prematurely and my eyes were open to my need before he'd taken me out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. often what happens, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I believe there's some legitimacy to the spiritual experiences people have. It's just yeah. not from God. Yeah, and absolutely. And as far as the Word goes, though, I wanted more encounters with God, but I really didn't have a legitimate way to go encounter Him except for in the Word. Yeah. He, I mean, you know you are encountering, encountering Him. Whether or not your soul's resonating with that is a little, maybe you have to work yourself mm-hmm. into a, settled place if I'm listening to him and I'm believing what I'm reading. But, um, yeah, you, you have a guaranteed encounter because those are his words and he's spoken to you and the Holy Spirit's vocabulary to us is in the word. Absolutely. <coughs> Absolutely. You know, Sorry about my I, the, if the, going back to what you were saying about the, the quote unquote God, some people may say during a, a, a trip, you yeah. know, um, you know, the, the evil one, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And his true nature is to pursue the death of us. Right, right. You know, and so if he were to present his true very nature... strategic. <laughs> yeah. If he were to present his true... Like, think about logically. Like, if he were to present his true nature to an unbeliever, an unbeliever would run from him also. You know, this whole idea of... of I've actually... Well, yeah. I've seen unbelievers become Christians when they saw too much... Of who Satan of, really yeah, is. Yeah, like... Yeah. It makes... I, I completely <laughs> believe that. I believe that completely. You know, you see these... These groups that call themselves Satan worshippers or whatever, like I, the, that's a whole different rabbit trail. But like sure. you, you, and how are you gonna apply this to parenting? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't even know about I'm that. Just yet. But yeah, but 
you know, you, he has to masquerade himself as an agent of light because of his true nature, which yeah. is to oh, kill yeah. us. You know, and he it, that. Yeah, like so. So that's why he would. That's like you say. I think your analogy, like you were saying about hiding the axe behind his back while luring you in with love, right. you know, or love-like feelings, uh, experiences, right. whatever. You know, um, yeah, spot on. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get from um, tripping on a mushroom <laughs> to being an associate pastor at a Christ great, Chapel? That's a great way to. That's a great transition question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I I consider there's two parts to my testimony. I want to rip off from Tim Keller a little bit and saying it this way. But there are two ways to run away from God as your Savior. Uh, one way is by, by trying to be really bad, and the other one is by trying to be really good. Mm. And I that's like prodigal God. He, yeah. said, he talks about that. I obviously was like that first part of my testimony was I was trying to be really bad. But when I when God grabbed my heart, he, he called me into ministry— uh, by my senior year, I, I was loving counseling, but I didn't know whether I wanted to be a counselor who was a Christian or a Christian counselor. Uh-huh. And that, but I, and I was thinking, I don't know whether I want to go into ministry or go and just, and, in or go pursue yeah. a secular counseling. Uh, and be know, a Christian who practices. Masters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, but my assumption was you don't go into ministry unless you're called. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he called me like it was like it was a kind of a last minute thing where it was, it was clear as day, and um, I started pursuing it. And my attitude was, God, I want to become a varsity Christian. I want to become somebody you're proud of, and that you're thinking you're so easy to work with. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know the arrogance of that of course. way of thinking at the time, and it was well meaning. Yeah, yeah, I could see like the how you'd think, oh, that's an admirable goal. It's a good, it's a good goal. Yeah, yeah. I went to Dallas Seminary. Uh, mm-hmm. Ted Kitchens was our p- pastor, and there's some couple couple people who really had an impact on me. And they they went to Dallas Seminary, and that's mm-hmm. about the extent of my research. I I applied. I barely got in because, um, and I remember my first first or second day there, walking into chapel, hearing a professor behind me walking in, say to another professor, "Well, if you struggle with porn, you probably shouldn't be going to seminary." Hmm. And I remember thinking, well, "You better nip that in the bud." And and for, for back then, 1996, 97, uh, porn was in a very rare magazine. Uh, yeah, it wasn't as that I would, that I purchased. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, I was not yet tempted by a computer, but I I grew up with it in my house, and every once in a while I would stumble on it in the in the bathroom of a Barnes and Noble. Someone would leave it. You know, it was that kind of thing. Well, I remember thinking about. Yes, every once in a while, I know that's my medicine of choice. I better like nip that in the bud. And I never tried so hard to be pure in my life than my first two years of seminary. And what happened was my girlfriend and I broke up, and now I'm like, oh, I don't see any prospect for this mm-hmm. this uh, sexual desire to be fulfilled in the immediate future. I mean, because I, I want to marry this girl that mm-hmm. I, we broke up. Um, and I'm sitting here trying to concentrate on my studies and... And feeling this tension building up in me, but I need I need to act out in some sense. And after I think a year and a half, I finally I I, I caved, and I I don't remember what I did, but I caved and looked at something, and and now I'm thought I if I share this, I I'm out of seminary. I mean, because I shouldn't yeah. be in seminary if I'm struggling with this. Yeah. So I won't do that again. We can see where this is going. Yeah. I mean, it didn't take. I don't know how long, but a couple of weeks and I did it again because I felt bad about myself. And 
pretty soon I'm like, I'm living as double life yeah. and miserable and in public thriving because I'm leading a spiritual formation group. I'm doing fine on my grades. I'm kind of perceived as a leader. I'm working at Christ Chapel by now. And in private, I'm like losing the battle to lust. Um, and I remember between classes, I was at, at seminary. We just studied the atonement. And I go to get a coffee uh, at this little coffee shop next to one of the classes. There's an Arabian man with a headdress on. Mm -hmm. And I'm wearing the coat and tie that was required. So I look like a seminary student. He's not a Christian. I'm buying my coffee. And right to my right are a bunch of porn magazines. Mm. And I remember thinking, man, I want to look, but I don't want him to see me. So while he's making change, I'm glancing out of the corner of my eye to drink in as much as I could see, mm. feeling like a weasel. And the question hits me, what difference does it make that a man died on a cross 2,000 years ago as to whether or not I look at the covers of these magazines? Mm. And crickets in my head, like, I don't know. I, we just got done studying the atonement, but I can't make the connection on why this matters on what I'm looking at. I knew that was a problem. Like that's why everybody is here, and I'm, I can't apply this to my biggest struggle. Hmm. And it haunted me for the. I remember the whole weekend. I couldn't stop thinking about it, and that question rescued me, because that question is, what difference does it make that a man died on a cross two thousand years ago? And the, it makes all the difference in the world because I'm thinking, God, you will love me because when I kick this, you know, I beat this problem, I will become a varsity Christian, <laughs> extra loved by you when I stop struggling with porn. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, your love for me is based on what happened 2,000 years ago, not on my performance today. On and on my record. best days, I need you just as much as I, 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 as I have you on my worst days. And I started to fall in love with the gospel halfway through seminary. Mm. It started to click, and I've still struggled. I've still, I've still, um, but I've, I found my, the, the, the pattern of that struggle has been less frequent, less intense, and it doesn't last as long when it happens. Yeah. And it's been one of those, that's the opposite direction that sin takes you. Sin always takes you deeper, deeper. farther, and you know, yeah. you're know you stuck. And so it's been this progressive freedom to the extent that my heart's been softened by the gospel. Hmm. And I'm still learning it today because, I mean, I still, but I'm kind of, I, I've come to a point where I'm thankful for my struggles because it's a reminder of my neediness for him. And I think neediness is the most important Christian attribute there is, yeah. um, even before humility. I mean, you you can't be humble without desperately needing the Lord. Yeah. And um, and so that's I I I stumbled my way with with a lot of sin into being called into ministry, and I don't think I would have hired me when I got hired at Christ Chapel, knowing the full story. I think I probably would have fired me a few times, mm. uh, knowing the full story. I've disclosed my full story to my boss, you know, like pornography struggle yeah. uh, while there. And it was the fact that I disclosed it on my own that, you know, they said, well, you know, that's why you're still here is because yeah. you're r r walking in the light. You're trying to fight it. But uh, I have not found that of all the things that I struggle with, I've discovered that my heart comes alive the most when... Um, I get to bring uh, my sin and how Jesus has rescued me in my everyday sin into the forefront of my ministry because mm -hmm. I find that I've always struggled with this feeling of maybe one day I'm going to be a varsity Christian like that guy. Mm. Uh, I'm going to have it figured out like, like, like him, and I'll be really good at this someday. And every time I've gone and talked to those people, I get me too, me too. They, we're all struggling with this oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
everything I'm saying is in First John one five through ten. By the way, it's just straight yeah. walk in the light. If you you know, it's where fellowship is found. And I've I've fallen in love with. Um, I, well, I, I've come to really need to be transparent, and uh, I think I feel like there's sort of been an almost an uncon- unconventional way into ministry that has been. Uh, paved with my sin and imperfections and disqualifications. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I thank you. Thanks. I love that. I love I, that. I, I love think that people I, need to be encouraged with it too, because I think it's like how a lot of people feel. Yeah, I think it's I think it's beautiful, and it's a testimony to the goodness of God. Hmm. Um, there, I, I I I've gotten feedback on this podcast. Um, I've get just discussion in life. You know, you come across this. I'm sure with like people who who say, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm just not holy enough is what mm-hmm. they'd say to, to, to serve in ministry, you know, mm-hmm. and not even necessarily vocationally, you know, and, and I think a lot of Christian men, um, love the Lord, you know, true Christian men love the Lord, but they're apprehensive about, you know, what are the responsibilities beyond the personal, you know, right. like wh- how, where does their mission field end beyond maybe themselves right. or beyond them and their wife and their kids. You know, um, I, I've 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 received uh, feedback on the podcast. Like I, I could, you know, someone's like, I could never come on your podcast because I'm just not holy enough. Right, right. You know, and I'm like, speaking. It speaks to what point you just made. You know, yeah. I'm not a varsity Christian enough. Is what well, that's here's what's being said. Thing. And like, there there are no varsity Christians. And right? and if like, there were, we would be trying to be like varsity Christians. I want people. I want people to think not. Man, Ryan's great. I, I hope I could be like him someday. But I want people to think, he's kind of a butthead like me, and if God can help him, yeah. certainly can help me. I mean, Amen. he's gracious to sinners, and that's yeah. my greatest qualification is that I want to put the spotlight on him. I know that—I mean, yeah, I want the spotlight on me if it's a good talk, and I'll, I want people yeah. to like me, all that stuff. Of course, but yeah. I, I want—I think Jesus is most magnified through our weakness, through our failures, mm-hmm. through—because it shows it where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that's true for sin. It's also true for suffering. You know, if you're like going through a really hard time and you find comfort in him, that's equally loud. But mm-hmm. I don't think people are inspired when we get our doctorates or when mm-hmm. we manage to like, hey man, I memorized all these verses. And I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But I don't think people are given the hope of a, of a, a gentle and merciful savior who yeah. loves people like, mm-hmm. you know, like them yeah, and like me. You're exactly right with the gentle and merciful aspect, as mm-hmm. I think of it, you know, because that's what separates us from, say, the Muslims, you know, who would sure. say that you have to, Muslims or the Mormons, you know, who say you have to do this, 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 this perfectly to earn God's approval. Well, and the, and the Muslims, they don't even know if they're ever going to earn God's approval. Yeah. But the Mormons think they will. There's, a, they cut, there's a cutoff it. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So they're they're constantly trying to clear this hurdle and this hurdle and Can this hurdle. Can imagine being OCD as a Muslim or as a Mormon? It'd be very difficult. I mean, yeah. It'd, you'd be, never know. There'd never be any type of assurance available. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's terrifying you, to a then, non-OCD person. And when you think of... Um, and when you think of... Um, the, the quote unquote all star varsity Christian, I, I that person existed in the past, or they weren't a Christian, but they were the Pharisees, mm-hmm. you know. They were. And, and the Pharisees, you know, Jesus said to them, He's like, I, I came to seal, heal the sick, 
Yeah. You know, the, the healthy don't need a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it's like, I, I, if, cause if I'm, I have walked similar walks with you, you know, yeah. in my personal life, like I'm going to, I'm going to make, you know, this good thing, my idol, yeah, this good, absolutely. this good Christian discipline, my idol, this good f- sin fighting pattern, my idol and blah, 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 blah. And when I stumble out of those good routines, I beat myself up like I wouldn't believe. Like, this is, I'm not as much this way anymore, but that was the hallmark of my Christian life. And there's a part of us that defaults to that. Yeah. Because that was the hallmark of my Christian life from, uh, you know, age, what, 16, 15 through 25-ish? Yeah. You know, like if you were to ask my wife, you know, during our dating, you know, and, and... early years after marriage, you know, after getting mm-hmm. married, like there was not much grace. Like I would preach grace and I would sing about grace on right, stage, right. but the grace I, 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 I saw grace only as it wouldn't bring tears to your eyes. No, it wasn't amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was amazing in the sense that yes, I knew I was a sinner and yes, all my sins would be forgiven. But I felt like every time I sinned, God was shaking his fist in anger at me. There he does it again. There or like a, at least a disappointed coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have the right analogy, you know, in my head, yo, but, yeah, but, yo. but I was, but I was, yeah, you know, and it, it was anything but a gracious, a, a loving God. It was anything, mm-hmm. but it took me a lot longer. I think maybe even until parenthood, you know, uh, until my son was born and has started sinning to realize the true weight of the prodigal son story. Right. Because um, we, we can't don't really understand the heart of God uh, with the same. I mean, being a dad helps you see and kind of grasp. Oh wait, if I feel this kind of love for a sinner, mm-hmm. wait a second, you might feel that way about me. That doesn't. Yeah, it starts to compute. Yeah. Well, then he's like, you might see that. Way. Then you realize I'm not worthy of that kind of love, and that makes his grace and his love for you even more. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. You know. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it's all the cliches about. Uh, I, all the silly cliches you hear about Christian parenting are so true. You know, um, I had my friend, uh, Ryan Gentles on the second episode say, you know, you don't realize how selfish you are till you're married and you really don't realize how selfish you are till you have kids. Yep. You know, and I've heard that before, but it's, man, it's so true. Yeah. It is so true. You know? Um, and what's funny is you are actually becoming less selfish. Hmm. You know, I mean, you, I, I you, hope so. you become, <laughs> you're know. more aware of your selfishness as you're becoming less selfish. It's really ironic, but yeah. I mean, can you compare like how how good you, we thought we were at age twenty two, mm-hmm. and how selfish we were, and then now mm-hmm. we probably feel more selfish, and like our lives are not about us. Yeah, by comparison. Yeah, yeah. it's just funny. That's I think it's it's not. You know, I'm not trying to sound like Yoda, but my um, uh. You know, the growing cross illustration. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, that growing as a Christian is like becoming more aware of God's holiness, becoming more aware of your sin and your need. Yeah. And realizing the, the cross is, has been bigger. And and, and <laughs> yeah. it's not like any of that is actually growing. It's actually, and of all of them, the only thing that's probably shrinking is your sin. <laughs> but, you know, when Paul said, Christ came to die for, the, for sinners of whom I am the foremost, I'm the worst. Mm. He said that toward the end of his life, as if... Yeah, Paul, you were so bad. Yeah, you who wrote a good portion of the New Testament. Right. Um, anyway, I'm yeah, kind of I'm rambling, it, but I no, it's it's just interesting that like we feel more, you know, more aware of our sin, 
or in our selfishness, and we were giving our lives away more and more as dads. Mm. I've, I've got yeah. very little margin for myself. Yeah. 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 I, I realize just how selfish I am <laughs> lately. I, I was so excited to have you come in today, and then like the last hour of the day, my kids are not as tired enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I've got Ryan coming over. No, you over. can't have a cup of water. Go to like, sleep. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, like... <coughs> wasn't that i mean it was that nature yeah, yeah, yeah you know i mean i certainly wasn't like angry or yelling but i was like okay guys just one book each tonight like yeah. we really i've got to keep this train rolling like dad can we read another one not tonight buddy and i'm like kind of annoyed when i'm saying it you know and, and jesus would totally be like yeah they can wait i'll hold you longer <laughs> <laughs> what a wretch i am you know you realize it but yep. um I want to ask you. I want wanted to bring in partly because I wanted to ask about soul care. That's sure. a ter- that's a term. You know, I've been a, a Christian since about two thousand. I've never really heard it put that way. I didn't know if that's just a phrase that Christ Chapel uses, or is that a greater term within you know it's our. A, it's our a term sphere? that's always been around, but it grew like became prominent in the nineteen hundreds, mm-hmm. where there was pastoral care, but it was very much like a pastor's. Uh, almost like personal preaching, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and discipleship and but but it was like where pastoral care and counseling and more a little more of a holistic vision materialized in the in the nineteen hundreds. And hmm. I'm very loose about the history here, but it, it came to mean like in our in our case it's it's biblical counseling. Uh-huh. Okay. But it's it, it it means you know it's kind of a squishy term yeah yeah but it generally talks about it's generally talking about counseling and caring for people on more of a more than your performance as a christian and and your discipleship because it's not primarily educating a person in discipleship it's caring for the suffering and you know and challenging uh, sinners to repent but all in the context of counseling mm. largely yeah and uh, yeah, and so the soul care ministry, like at Christ Chapel, is a biblical counseling uh, ministry. It's and it, we train up we we've we tra- train up lay leaders on how to do counseling, mm-hmm. and we you know, I my shorthand way of describing it is we are specialists in sin and suffering, mm. and um, <laughs> you know meeting people and applying the gospel very face to face, letting that stuff become real to them. Yeah, and. Um, that's 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 kind of a loose definition of soul did, care. Did but. you have did you per yourself after your conversion experience and the years of into growing and maturing as a believer? Did you do count? Did, were you counseled? I was counseled. I mean, I I went to a counselor for a porn struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went a couple kind like I went to like a, a secular or a Christian counselor, but he was more secular than um, when I was twenty three. But then when I started working at Christ Chapel, I started to, uh, at some point, I don't remember when, meet. I met with Greg Cook, who started Soul Care. Mm-hmm. And we met on and off, and we became just really good friends, but he would also counsel me. And, and it just amazed me how he didn't, his goal wasn't to make me feel better. His goal was to, he, he listened, and he would ask questions that would cause me to see, to discover what was going on in my heart. Mm. Um and uh, and so I, I basically I I experienced counseling, you know, uh, biblical counseling in a way that is it always freed me to go back and 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 have a uh, 
a fresh engagement with God, and it would last. I mean, for a long time, I, we would continue being friends. But then, at, at different points, we, uh, Brandy and I had marriage struggles that we went to counseling for, and and I've gotten to sample different ones, but I always felt that it was the biblical counseling that made my heart burn, hmm. in a sense. Yeah. What What do you think that is? Because there's power in the word, and I I think that like there are Christian counselors, and you've got amazing Christian counselors and some lousy biblical counselors, right? I, there's going to be exceptions here. But in the Christian counseling world, there's kind of a a acknowledgement of of uh, Scripture, but there's also an acknowledgement of all the different psychological mm-hmm. fields, and it's sort of it's integrated together. And I think at the end of the day, who really pulls the weight? It tends to be the psychological community mm-hmm. that has all the, the 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 accreditations and the things that, if what they're saying is too weird and too Christian, it's kind of a little like let's let's be a little quieter about that because mm-hmm. the studies show this. Yeah, and I so I think that just the general pull is going to be in a secular direction uh, when when you when you're being like syncretistic. Mm-hmm. You're you're. Mm-hmm. Biblical counselors try to rely solely on the scripture. It doesn't mean that you, that the all biblical counselors say you can't do medication or you can't listen. To, yeah. But but the scriptures are sufficient for every struggle and for and um, and it is when you have to rely on the word of God. You're relying on the Spirit. You're relying on um, somebody sitting across from you who's a fellow believer who isn't the expert, but they're just listening to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things, they just—it's—it to me, it's just right along the lines of what biblical, uh, what the biblical <clears throat> means of grace offer to begin with, hmm. and um, you know, and just on a practical level too, what I found is biblical counselors, especially lay biblical counselors, they're not professionals. They—they they probably freak out internally when they hear a struggle that they don't know where to go with it, but mm-hmm. they're not working alone. They're we're working in a team, mm-hmm. and they're not being paid to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Their goal is not to get you in and out the door, or you, or to get you coming back, right? You know, so they can get paid again. They want; they're just there to love you, and apply, walk with you as you apply the scriptures to your own struggles. And how do you, how do you apply that to your walk with God? And so it's just, to me, it's like a slowed down, concentrated Christian discipleship context Mm -hmm. that doesn't flinch at sin and suffering. I love that, and. It's beautiful. And yeah. so we get to kind of manage a bunch of people, you know, doing that, but we also I get to do it myself. And yeah. I um you know, there's so many times I don't know what I'm doing, but like I said, you don't panic. You go and you you talk you we, we meet together and say, Okay, I got Jane Doe and John Doe and they're struggling with this. What does I'm stuck. Say? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's uh I wish the whole church was always like that. Hmm. You know, but yeah, uh, it's just we have we've been afforded the luxury to to slow down in people's problems and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and walk with them in that. When you say and I haven't when you say we, who do you mean? We being the soul care team. Now uh, I'm not okay. there now, yeah. but I'm, my goal is to bring soul care to the rest of the church as much as possible. Yeah. But the soul care ministry at Christ Chapel is a team of we have um, oh I think it was four or five full-time people, and then some part-time people, and then 30 lay counselors, tons of group leaders, a lot of people. Mm. But 
the people who are doing the counseling on a you know on a weekly basis we get to sit down and review cases on the on staff and on a uh, twice a month all the lay counselors would come together and review be trained you know mm -hmm. just slowing down on the issues of the heart yeah who who do you think should who do you think should be counseled you know because i think there's a lot of people who think oh, I've, I've had a normal like average life do mm -hmm. i need to be like i haven't had a major conversion experience and i haven't had great trauma and stress in my life i haven't had any right great sin patterns in my life you know like i think it's the people who feel stuck or paralyzed stuck in their sin or paralyzed by their suffering mm -hmm. uh where they don't when they don't feel like the resources they have in their lives are actually getting them anywhere. And mm. so when when something becomes debilitating in their walk with God and their ability to function, um, it's something that their friends kind of have a blank stare. They don't just don't know what to say. Yeah, don't know how to respond. How to address that, right? You know, or like if it's... I remember in those days where I was my accountability partner and I was struggling with, with porn and... Um, I'm confessing one week. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, thanks for sharing. And, and I confess again and confess again and confess again. And eventually like, well, I don't really know what to do. This isn't going anywhere. Like yeah. people who Nothing's are stuck changing. and, um, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think it's a first resort. I think it's a, um, I don't know if I would say a second, maybe it's a third or fourth resort, yeah. but because we know more mature Christians who might be able to do better than the friends we're meeting with, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that's the short answer. Is, yeah. is would you think? Do you think there's maybe? Do you think there's maybe more people who need it than real than they realize? Mm -hmm. I think that's why there's so many people drank a bunch, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, hmm. you just yeah, self medicate in they, some way. They, yeah, or, or or any of those, you know, yeah, yeah the yeah, uh, any of those ways of self medicating. I don't know, like, where? How do you even begin to process what's going on in your heart when you've numbed it so for so long? Mm -hmm. um, so I do think there's a lot of people who who need it. There's also people who aren't self medicating, but they're just destroying the people around them with their irritability and their stress, and their hmm. they're being control freaks or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. um, I think when the evidences of your sin and 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 evidences of your misery are showing up, and you start to realize it. It takes a level of humility to say, I need help. Mm -hmm. And as soon as God gives you the mercy to say, I need help, like, okay, yeah, we'll seek seek help. And if you don't know where to find it and nobody's able to help you, there's yeah. things like soul care. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's, it is such a, there's a quote. I don't know if you follow the podcast all on Instagram, but I posted a quote from Cody Cotton. I don't know if you've ever met Cody. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I posted a quote. Cody was in here. He was here. Yeah. Great guy. I've known him. He was one of my freshman friends at TCU. I've just stayed in touch with. Um, but he had a quote that I shared, I think today or yesterday on Instagram about um, admitting you're weak. All right. You know, uh, it's, it's basically talking about admitting you're weak and how that's so contrary to the modern male ideal, you know, image, right. you know, we want to be, we want to look like we have it all together. we got it all figured out. We're rich, we're strong, we're prosperous. We don't need anybody. Right. Um, and for, for a number of reasons, you know, um, we, we, we act like that, but, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting with that, but I, I, I appreciate what you say about you. Well, have that's to come what's to beautiful point. about getting to do 
soul care, which was that everybody I was meeting with, not everybody, but most people were coming in poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. And they, it's like, that's low hanging fruit. Yeah. I mean, when you know you're in need and you go seeking help, my job would be to listen and then point to Christ. Yeah. God would often give me verses or, you know, things, but in, in the best, best case scenarios, it's, it's a layup shot for beautiful ministry. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. And I think every, every single Christian, you know, there's nobody but Christ who is perfect. In, in our walks, in our spiritual walk, in some way, we are all poor in spirit in some way. You know, you mm-hmm. say poor in spirit and maybe in the emotional sense, like the baggage, mm-hmm. heavy sense, but I even mean it like in just in our sanctification process, yeah. you know, we, we, we have we are some avenue in our life where we need to come come to a point where we say, I am weak right. in this area. I cannot carry uh, this idol of perfection in my mind anymore, you right. know, or even these goals. Maybe it's not an idol, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah, I think that there's, but there's moments where you, you feel good beca- in your self-sufficiency because it's going well, but then there's moments where God breaks you. Mm-hmm. And when you can't control a, a, the relationship, when the marriage gets so hard, you can't make the marriage good. Okay, you're getting yeah. broken. You're there's a sweet spot right there because, you know, you're miserable, yeah. and, and it's like good. Okay, let's talk. Yeah, and if you're miserable because you think that other person's such a sinner, you're not ready to talk. It's like <laughs> miserable because I, you know, I, I can't control my anger or I can't. Those are the sweet moments. Is usually I think it's it's being broken mm-hmm. and the poor in spirit that comes on the on the, on the heels of that. Mm. Like you and I hopefully are poor in spirit right now, but we might not be hurting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in the same mm-hmm. way. And, and we, we, we need to be encouraged and kind of like, you know, product, you know, pushed along and stuff. But, um, yeah, that, that, that counseling opportunity is for the broken hurting typically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate that explanation. Yeah. That's good. That'll really illuminates things. I'm super excited because our church is starting to foray into, Soul care. Love it. And I love, love it. it. You know, our little old church that could, you know. And for the record, well, we live right by your church. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Our backyard is overshadowed Yeah, I remember, well, you came and played, you know, you preached for us yeah. once, and I remember you were like, hey, open this emergency exit, and I did, it's like, that's my house. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, shifting gears a little bit, tailoring back towards, you know, uh, being a husband and a father, um, is there an element of soul care in being an effective husband and father. Totally. Um, but I will say it's funny because I'm much better at it at work than I am at home. I mean, you kind of go to work. I can imagine several reasons for that. I mean, yes. Yeah. You're, you're a completely different person. Your wife, your wife and your kids see you as a different person than I do. Right. You know, or any congregant at your church. Right. I'm not part of your pain. Mm-hmm. I'm not part of your struggle. I mean, I, and with my wife and my you kids, didn't I'm part the of the problem, right? Yeah. But when someone comes to me at work, it's like there's this kind of there's a relative safety that I'm not going to take anything personally, yeah. and I'm I'm also I'm battle I'm battle ready. I'm I'm ready to to listen, yeah. and you're able to take an objective. When view. I come home, I'm sometimes in a mentality of like, okay, well, it's time to downshift and relax, and and um, and so there's a number of reasons for that, and I I, I also. I think that, uh, but I but I will say, it's funny because there's been times where Brandy and I 
uh, will be, you know, have at each other, you know, and just having a hard time. And, and then I need to leave to go run re-engage at our church, you know, and she's like, all right, go fix other people's marriages <laughs> on the way out the door. Like, oh, dang. Um, oh, but yeah, that, that being said, there's, uh, I think the things that have actually, the things that have, have, uh, I guess, characterize the way I parent as far as soul care goes yeah is um I um find myself not needing to know the answers as much and and like I I I have a vision of what it means to be a good husband and a good father and it's being like like I know what to do I know the answer I've I'm strong I'm an authority those those kinds of themes and the truth is I'm kind of often clueless in those moments, and when I'm trying to play the role of the the strong, uh, uh, confident authority who knows what he's doing, I I fake it really poorly mm. and I get really mad because my strong-willed son and my strong-willed wife <laughs> are both like probably sure. like they, they see me and they 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 know which buttons to press i don't think my wife's trying to push my buttons it's more my son's pushing my buttons and my wife is evaluating my my, my style and mm-hmm. it's the perfect storm for people pleaser like me to to blow up mm-hmm. in a sense well where i've kind of learned uh, you know what some of the things i've learned in soul care is like it's not my role to to fix it's my role to point to the fixer it's not mm-hmm. my my role is not to rescue the situation or to to make people less angry. It's not to, it's to listen and understand the way Jesus understands, mm. and to to be patient, to be gentle, and and I think at the at the root of it is to just to trust God in those moments. Mm. And there's been times where we we have a tough family family dynamic mm-hmm. there have been times where the wheels are falling off and people are yelling at each other and internally i'm thinking okay god i have no idea what to do um i'm yours yeah. help me not to mess this I, I, if i if i contribute i'm only going to make it worse so help me just to listen mm-hmm. and know that okay my wife's hurting my son's upset my daughter's this and and it's sort of like a counselor in a high stake situation, just listening and not trying to patronize and mm-hmm. nod my head and say it's gonna be okay. It's learning Romans twelve fifteen, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, mm. and be angry with those who are angry. If someone's if my wife is angry at me about something, I'm not gonna do any good saying calm down. Yeah. It's gonna be that's right. Like she's angry and i and i like a good friend gets kind of angry with them even if they're part of the problem mm. it's not about me you know and and so there are times where i find myself rejoicing with my wife or weeping with my with my wife my son came home from school uh, not too long ago and he started telling me about these things that were happening to him like it sounded like he was kind of being bullied but it mm. was involving the teacher as well it was, it was mm. kind of it was weird it mm-hmm. i wasn't sure i believed what he was saying okay and but it was sad and it sounded like he was really having a bad day and i remember trying to i was thinking about should i point out to him that it doesn't really make sense that <laughs> you know that there's some holes in what he's saying and it's like no wait i need to just hurt with him mm. and i i stopped and i said man that sounds really lonely mm-hmm. he's like it is and he came and sat on my lap my you know 13 mm. year old at the time 
who doesn't do that. He yeah. came in and it just just by saying that sounds really lonely. I just stopped and and it did sounded lonely at least, mm-hmm. you know, and and just connecting with him mm. on that level. So those are for me counterintuitive parenting plays. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's like fix it. Yeah. We have a thing in soul care. I'm sure this is going to be the longest podcast you no, ever had. No, go on. Please. Um but um uh that you don't want to f- like for groups and for counseling you don't want to fix and rescue those are the two no-nos or teach yeah um or teach. fixing fixing is like you know what well, i got a good book you need to read you know mm-hmm. or you you, you got to set your alarm a little earlier so that blah 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 you know and what it says to a person who's like struggling with something is like if you were smarter like me mm-hmm. if you if you if you were more godly like me you would do this mm-hmm. and all you really need to do, like, if you're, if, man, imagine a guy struggling with heroin, shares, you know, I'm struggling with this, and, well, you ought to set your alarm earlier and read this book, you know. Like, oh, so if I were a big man like you, I could do that. And it makes, it points to something other than Jesus as the fixer. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who fixes. Rescuing is when someone's emotions are really strong, and you want to rescue them from those strong emotions. And it could be because you care for them, or it could be because you're uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But rescuing a good counselor will actually let that strong emotion play out. Could could you give a good example of of rescuing, like say, with as a parent? Uh, yeah. When um, like like doing the wrong. Just that, that that story I just told about my son when he was like he was really sad, and instead of saying, "Hey, man, it's yeah, but you're a cool kid, man. I mean, everybody's yeah. you know, I want to rescue, make him feel better about himself. Okay. But man, that sounds really lonely. Yeah. Like. Or just listening, but yeah. but saying that sounds really lonely. Or, I think sometimes the most sanctified words you could say is, "Man, that sucks." Yeah, that's hard. Oh yeah. dang! Or he did what? What did you know? And yeah. and it's you're kind you're joining them be, rather yeah. than downplaying their feelings. Yeah. Now what's really hard is if they're mad at you. You want to say, "Well, calm down." I, I no, it's just. Can I be self forgetful enough? to step into my wife's shoes or my kids' shoes and think, how do they feel? Whether they're right or wrong, how do they feel? And does God say, shut up, that's a wrong emotion? Mm. Uh, he, he joins us in our emotion. Right, Psalm 13, for example, David says, how long, O Lord, will you keep forgetting me? How long will you, must I find, count, must I find counsel in my own soul? Mm-hmm. And God could have said, sit down, David, I don't forget anything. Yeah. You know, what are you talking about? I remember you all the time. Yeah. He, he listens and mm-hmm. he he doesn't correct him for feeling yeah. alone and forgotten. Amen. And um and so those are the elements of like it's counseling. It's easy to do in a counseling office because it's not personal. It's really hard to do it at home. But man, when it happens, it's it's gold. Yeah. Um. And it, you're not doing some sort of you know, a keto move on your kids. <laughs> you know, emotionally. It's yeah. It's you're trying to just care for them. And yeah. um. I like the aspect you said of partnering. Like you're partnering with them, yeah, in their in their struggle, you know, in their their suffering. You know, if you were like had a headache and you had to go to work and you called your you know your friend calls like, man, I don't gonna I don't want to go work. I've got a headache and your friend's not gonna go. Well, you you need to do the right thing and go to work even though you have a headache. Your mm-hmm. friend's gonna go. Oh man, that sucks. I wish you could just stay in bed. You know, yeah, and, I hate that for you. That's and awful. then you're gonna yeah. go to work mm-hmm. with a headache. And yeah. I think with our kids, we often are so afraid that we're gonna give them the wrong counsel by joining them in their emotion. Mm. 
that they shut us out because we try to fix them. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, do it with our kids all the time. And I'm not saying that you, there's never a time to give them good advice. Of course. It's just they don't want our advice until until they know we're with them. Yeah, absolutely. They have to be able to, and that that promotes trust. Right. You know, between, from father to, to child. Um, I've shared this story already a few times on this podcast. I don't know if you've heard it or if there's anybody who's listened to every episode so far, you're going to hear this again. But uh, my, my dad passed away unexpectedly in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember just being kind of down, obviously, uh, in the hmm. weeks and months after imagine. that. And yeah, if you can imagine. And um, I remember it affecting my spiritual life a bit. Like I didn't deny that God existed or anything like that, but it was just the question of evil, you know, like how probably didn't really feel like drawing near to God in that time. I didn't. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. That, that, that vocalizes it really well, I think. Um, and, uh, I remember, um, Ben Connolly telling me at the time, he said, you know, if you don't know what words to say to God, just read the Psalms. Right. You know, he said, because David, I was afraid of like weakening my spiritual commitment, you know, or right. whatever. You know, like I was afraid of like blaspheming or something, you know, and and he's like he told me, he said, Man, just you need to spend some time reading the Psalms because David went through the highest of highs and lowest of lows and That's right. That's really good advice. And he spoke he spoke things to God that were just outright wrong. You know, like or bold, let's but, say. Well, yeah, but you I know, would say, like, in how a could sense, you, how could you forget me? Yeah, you know, and um, you know, how how could you, you know, like you said, Psalm thirteen, you know, how long will you forget me, O oh Lord? You know, and things like that. Uh, but despite all of those, and despite obviously his history with Bathsheba and all the other countless sins he committed, God still loved him and considered right. him righteous. You know, and like, but those are my favorite. Those have become my favorite psalms, or the the lament psalms, the one yeah. or the uh, especially the, the lament psalms, because most of them turn. To, they, yeah, towards the end, you know, there's the last a couple half. that don't, like Psalm 88, and some. Like, there's yeah. some that like, darkness is my closest friend. The end, you know, which <laughs> depressed people love that psalm. I mean, yeah. it's really weird. You give a depressed person Psalm 88, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, uh, it's okay to feel that way. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Well, it's not like you're going to... F- and the thing is, is, like, when you're in the heat of the moment, like, you're afraid to say those things as if God doesn't already hear the, every thought and motive inside your head and heart already. But, right. like, you know, you're afraid to vocalize those things to Him as if that makes it worse. But then, like, on top of that, like, is it, as is if God's God... going to shake His fist and be like, oh, that's yeah. it. You've crossed want, the line, mister. We don't mister. want Him to see our ugly side or something. And Yeah. But it's interesting because the general tension is... Um, we're supposed to move toward God in everything. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense for us to move toward him during Bible study or going to church or praise. Yeah. Um, I tend to, when I'm comfortable, forget about him. Yeah. But uh, can I move toward him when I'm comfortable? But when I'm angry, it doesn't feel natural. Mm. Or when I'm tempted, it doesn't feel natural. Those are There's times where it just doesn't feel natural to move to- toward him. And you really are, I would say, moving into varsity territory to bring it back. You know, <laughs> you're moving into varsity ter- territory when you learn to take your raging anger to, to the Lord. Hmm. I, I forget the the address, Psalm 136, maybe 130. It's in the 130s. Uh, Blessed are they who bash your babies against the walls. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's outrage. Yeah. And they weren't actually doing that. But like when you read what's going on in the context, like, yeah, they had good reason to be angry, and instead of doing that, they were like telling God, 
screw them, you know, yeah. and but yeah. they're going to God with it. Hmm. And there's not an emotion or a place that doesn't belong to God. Yeah. And those hard emotions hmm. are holy when you, when you bring them to God. They become holy. But usually we isolate and try to do it ourselves, and then we die inside, you know. I love that, it's, especially as a... As a man who, who finds himself, I'm sure like you do, you know, uh, you, you at times get frustrated. You at times get angry with your kids. You at times feel, you know, uh, disenfranchised maybe for an hour or a day yeah. with your marriage, you know, and things like that. Um, or even with just the way the shifting sands of culture, you know, um, yeah. you know. I, I, I on a, again, on the Instagram page for this podcast, I posted a, a verse from the Psalms, uh, Let's see if I can pull it up real fast. Uh, I pulled this. It was one of the Psalms, like how about the 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 nations rage in vain. Yeah, um, uh, Psalm two. Yeah, Psalm two. Yeah, thank you. It's I want to I want to read it because it's just here it is right here. Why do the nations? Yeah, this is Psalm two one through four ESV. Um, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then there's a line break. Mm. It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. <laughs> I love it. The Lord holds them <coughs> in derision. Yeah. And I just love that because, and I talked about this with Jeff Jameson in the first episode. I, I said, at the end of the day, as a, as, a, as a father who wants to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and lead his children to the Lord and lead his wife well, you know, and care for her. Um, I get so frustrated and so afraid sometimes and so uh, angry at, with, at the world, you know, yeah. as if I'm not a sinful, wretched person myself. Right, right. Um, but then I don't often, I oftentimes, you know, I'm a big Twitter user and mm-hmm. I often will uh, just read mostly, but I, I, I often really feel tempted to fire off a hot tweet, you mm-hmm. know, about cultural issues. Oh my gosh. Um, I was feeling comfort as you read Psalm 2, immediately applied to cultural issues. I was like, yeah, you know, and all the weird things going on. I say weird just meaning like yeah, well, I mean, uh, unforeseen, I think, 10 years ago, these things that are going on in culture. Like, I get so angry, and what I don't do in my sin is I don't take that anger to the Lord. Right. I put it on my shoulders and think I'm gonna be the the sharp knife that cuts through other sins, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not that person. I'm not Jesus. Yeah. You know. I'm not. I am physically. I'm not the Word of God. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's it's kind of like the next frontier of growth, though. <laughs> you know, like yeah, what God's doing in your heart by bringing those things together. Because how often do we just there's that. I don't like that. That makes me mad. I'll handle that myself. Yeah, and that's the way everybody does it. Absolutely, but yeah, well, especially in America, it's, it's like the American way. There's that bootstrapping, and the Lord sees that. Yes, I should feel that way, but also the Lord is laughing about it. I mean, he's he's in control, and okay, won. I'm going to trust you. But do you want me to be brave about it and say something? Maybe, but I'm going to do it based on you know. It's yeah. an entirely different story when yeah. the Lord's part of that part of the equation. It goes, yeah, and it, it goes back to. Um, we we as Christian men, we are joining God's story. Mm-hmm. You know, He is not. I think as as there's it's it takes a long. It took me a long time. I don't know how long it took you. It took me a long time 
to really understand what that means. Like we are not, God is not the sky genie who opens the doors for us to become richer and healthier and happier. There are times where we may be richer and we may be healthier and we may be happier. There may be times that we're not. It's not a guarantee either way. But that's because we are joining his story. Right, right. You know. Yeah. It's so hard. Um it, it was. It's hard for me. It was hard for me growing it's up. It's and, still. And, and, and it's still, it's still hard it's for still me hard right now. I, it's to realize that I am not the main character. Right. You know. And right. I think, as I think of like this podcast and what it's called, like a defiant dad realizes that they are not the main character. Right. You know. Um, There's a book I have not really. Re- I bought it. I haven't read it yet, but um, I know something about. The, it's called the Intentional Father, mm-hmm. and um, he makes these five points. Um, that uh, basically going from being the transition from being a, um, a, a, a boy to a man involves five shifts. Um, let's see if I can find it real quickly. Um, the intentional father. Yeah. He, he says, okay. Is this a Christian author? Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, uh, okay, so the five shifts are that uh, l- are five truths that, that lead to shifts. There's life is hard, number one. Two, you're not important. Three, life is not about you. Four, you're not in control. And five, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so he turns those into like five shifts. Wow. Shift, instead of saying life is hard, I said it's a shift from ease to difficulty. So boy becomes a man. He starts to realize like it's, it's going to be difficult, and that's normal, and it's okay. But uh, instead of saying you're not important, I said, boys care about themselves, but men care about others. Mm. It was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of saying your life is not about you, I said, you're part of the story, but you're not the whole story. Mm. And then instead of saying you're not in control, I said, it's a shift from control to surrender. Mm. And then instead of saying you're going to die, I said, it's a shift uh, from the tempor- uh, the temporary to the eternal. Mm. But that I like that. fabulous. Yeah. I uh, I just haven't got a chance to get to the book, but I <laughs> saw those those points, and I, I love the uh, even just the first one. Like, it, I shift from ease to difficulty is hmm. uh, I still rebel against difficulty, absolutely, and then and then I find that I'm really happy in it in the mm-hmm. difficulty, especially when I embrace it. It's like, okay, my difficulty leads to me being out of control and surrendering to the Lord, mm-hmm. who becomes my strength, mm. and you know, you start to kind of, you're enjoying the ride more, but you're looking more forward to the eternal. Mm-hmm. You're looking forward to the end of it as well, but mm-hmm. you're enjoying the here and now. And, um, and I'm, you know, and then I see my son, or I, my, my boys, but my older son especially, and you can, see, it's like you just want to wave a magic wand and have them get it. Hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. I love it. I like the ease to difficulty because I think even as, I think of an analogy um, you know, I think of, um, well, it's not just an, not just an analogy to anything random, like it's to the, to scriptures, like there is value in work, Yeah. you know, like even before sin, there was work to be done in the garden, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you want to be depressed, stop working. Yeah. 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 Honestly, because play like games and sit so, around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the, I, I don't want to like don't hear me preach like a gospel of workaholism, but no, like, no. I think there's definitely value in like. I think of like retirement a lot, you know, and I don't see myself ever really retiring in the sense of being sedentary. 
right? You know, or, or playing golf every single day, or something like that. And I, I want to be careful. If someone doesn't have a job right now, it's not like oh, you need to be depressed then. But you will be depressed if you sit on the couch not looking for a job. You know, yeah. you're not working. Yeah. They're just like, okay, that's your work at that yeah. point is like trying to figure out how to, like we're created to to be producers and to be organizers and whatever that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, however, whatever that looks like. creation mandate. Whatever stuff. that, yeah, the, exactly. And whatever that looks like, you know, for you as the individual man, you know, there are many right. parts to one body. Yeah. Um, what does, um, getting towards the end of the podcast here, like what does being a defiant dad mean to you? Well, I actually looked up defiant when, you know, I was thinking about it. And, and it's funny because it's like, okay, a, uh, it's like a, you know, a, a bold disobedience, right? Um, and I, uh, I I thought, you know, obviously that's not what you have in mind here. But I was thinking that our culture has, um, it, like in the context of this comp- podcast, I was thinking openly resisting conforming to the patterns of this world because mm. our culture that's a great definition always portrays dads as buffoons yes i mean have you ever seen a commercial where it's the husband who had the right detergent or whatever the right product <laughs> it's, it's always like it's always the ray romano homer simpson kind of yes just kind of clueless or yes. self-absorbed um yep. mindless whatever it might be and it, it's rebelling against the fact that we can be passive. Mm-hmm. I, I think that culturally we're supposed to be passive or angry or disconnected or just yeah. ogling women, whatever it might be. Yeah, there's there's lots of norms and, that are all antithetical to what the truth of the gospel right. is. And it's so I, I I kind of almost immediately, but I like it's a provocative title, mm-hmm. but it, I knew like I'd, I immediately felt like, oh, you must be defying the the cultural expectation of what a dad looks like today. Yeah, which absolutely. isn't the, the rosiest picture. You know what's interesting? Interesting question. Can yeah. you think of a single good dad in Scripture other than Joseph, Jesus' dad? Hmm. Uh, yes, I can think of one. G- God the Father? Well, no, no. The, the, uh, the, <laughs> the prodigal son's dad. Okay, good answer. All right, potentially... Uh, potentially a make-believe person. Maybe. True, not not. Okay, but, you're asking for a person who may have. Yeah, actually... but I and I I don't I don't know if there is a good one. Even Samuel, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. pretty. He had shortcomings, and his kids weren't good. Yeah. Um, not to say that a, he could have been a good dad, and his kids were still bad. I right. Mean, uh, but uh, just an interesting yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> now, now I'm really want to. Yeah, go like it gives you a whole. I'm reason pause to the read through the whole Bible quick. again. Let's, let's take yeah, let's take a few minutes. Um, <laughs> man, well, it's been a really, really enjoyable evening hanging Meets, out with you, yeah. Ryan. Thank you so much for coming in, man. I yeah. want to ask you a few uh, lighthearted questions. Um, cool. An increasing lightheartedness. Um, apologies if you uh, if you've heard other people answer these questions. I ask them. No. I ask them of everybody because I think great. it's fun to paint a picture of who people are listening to. Um, What's a book other than the Bible that has significantly shaped uh, your your spiritual growth? Um, within the last five years, I would say "Gentle and Lowly" by Dane Ortland. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing book. Um, Prayer, experiencing awe and intimacy with God by Tim Keller was I, really good. I've heard that one recommended a few times. Going back a few more years, uh, "When I Don't Desire God" by John Piper was mm. huge for me. Yeah. Um, Probably the more, most earth-shattering book was Mortification of Sin by John Owen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it undid me, and it was... When, I, if when, I were, if when did you read it, that? In seminary? 
I read it. Um, no, I read it because Paul Tripp, John Piper, and Tim Keller all said it was the book that kept them in ministry. Wow. Um, or had Im- had the biggest impact on them. Mm-hmm. So I read it, and I, and I got the one that was compiled by uh, Justin Taylor and Kelly Capick. It's like it's called Overcoming Sin and Temptation, which I recommend because they don't change the language of the book, but they put little footnotes to to give like. There are sundry reasons. Little footnote: sundry means various. You know that it, it helps you understand it. It, it modernizes yeah. without changing it. Hmm. And um, it is it. I read it maybe I'm gonna say 2008, mm-hmm. and then I read it again in 2010. I think I read it again. Like it's it, it's an exposition of Romans 8:13. Hmm. If if uh, if you live by the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the, the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Mm. Um, and it's basically what does it mean to kill your sin? And it it undid me. I mm. mean, I was I'm not kidding when I say after I read chapter four. By the end of chapter four, I went to Brandy and I said, Brandy, I, I'd kill myself if I weren't afraid of going to hell. I mean, it was like <laughs> I felt like I was like I am I I'm a complete sham. He undid my did me, yeah. And then chapter five, John Owen basically says, "Me too." Mm. Uh, it, he just described his himself, and it, he takes you bankrupt to the cross, wow, and puts you back together. I, I don't, yeah. Anyway, it's worth the bad. effort. It's worth the effort. It's a, it's, um, and I would also say, "Parenting" by Paul Tripp is a great book. It is that, a great book. Oh. I definitely highly recommend that one. Paul Tripp has a, he's, he's got a, he's got a way with words. He does. He kind of you know, twist a phrase on the on the. <laughs> gospel it's like he's almost annoyingly good at that yeah my wife and i working through um every day new morning mercies right now it's just his daily study good stuff it's great it's really really great we often sit there and read it out loud while the kids and i all four of us are having a breakfast together you know the kids will run around and sometimes listen sometimes won't you know because they're two and five but it's it's i i definitely think there's value in it for us personally, but also in reading it aloud like that, you know, just bringing the clarity and freshness to things that you kind of, you know, mm-hmm. but he says it in a way he's like, Oh, get it. Yeah. So those are some books. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's, so, there's so many, well, you're, you're an associate pastor. So I'm sure there's quite a I few. have time to read, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It comes with the territory. Um, what is a, a controversial opinion about food, mm. uh, either a type of food or a dish that you might have? Yeah, I had a hard time with thinking through this. I'm glad you gave it to me in advance. Okay. Two things. This is not controversial. The second one might make some people angry. Okay. I don't like the way barbecue makes my hands smell for the rest of the day. Yeah, okay? I don't either. Yeah. yeah. So, railhead, delicious. Yeah. But I smell it. Yeah. And, yeah. That's so one of the reasons why I haven't gotten into smoking my own barbecue. You know, there's a thing. Like, yeah. You'll see this meme on the internet now. Like, men turn 35 and yeah. base their personality on golf or barbecue. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and both of these things, it's not like it's controversial as much as just when people probably shake their head at me and just in, in derision. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's just, I kind of want to put A1 on all steaks, even when they're really nice steaks. Oh, no. I, just, I like A1. I don't do it. You know, good. Okay. If I go to like Wicked Butcher or something like over. that, podcast over. You guys right, have a good night. Right. I, I just, I secretly would like this would be good with some A one. I just, I feel that way. I I'm love just imagining A1. you at like Eddie V's or Del Frisco's. Yeah, can I? Like, yeah. Can you give me some A one? Excuse me, we don't have A one. Yeah. I like, I like my, I like condiments. I like sauces on my food. You go to Lonesome lot. Dove and like Tim Love himself brings you out a ribeye. You got any A one? Yeah. Would you, oh, you know A one? You have any Hunt's ketchup? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so last last question. Um, I'm going to put you into a barehanded fight to the death. Okay. 
Um, if you win, you'll receive great fame and fortune beyond okay. your wildest imagination. Uh, things I know you value. Um, uh, you only only catch here is uh, you have no weapons. Like I said, you're barehanded, okay. and you have to pick your opponent. Would you rather fight uh, a single uh, horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Okay. Yeah. I. I this is a definite. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the 100 duck-sized horses. Okay. I think I would do better with the aerobic challenge of punting those <laughs> harmless horses than the sheer might of having to break the bones of a horse-sized si- uh, uh, duck or pierce the skin of something. Did you pre-write big. this answer? Because I, I wrote it down. I, I love really it. Think about the, it. It's very artistic but the way you're describing it. Yeah. I mean, because you think. I mean, <laughs> you know, a duck would be kind of harmless, I suppose, but. You'd still have to kill it. Yeah. But I think to the I'm, I'm pretty good with the aerobic stuff. And I can, okay. you know, and punt them away. I like it. Yeah. So, so for, if it would change your Because the horses at all. aren't exactly going to bite your ankles. I mean, they're, you know. No. Yeah, they might kick you. They might kick you. You have to stay on your feet. Those, those That's are, the thing. Yeah, but the, are they, do they have the, the minds of, of like, uh, are they strategizing here? Or are they just No, they're being just horses. horses. Yeah. Take the horse. Yeah, you just punt them. Just. <laughs> Around, step on them, punt them, throw them, whatever. Yeah. Okay. You know? I like it. Yeah. Because I, like I mean, it. they can kick you. They're still duck sized. So. Yeah. I don't know though. A duck. I mean, what's a duck like? A foot tall? Foot. But you would. Yeah. But how much weight is that? I mean, like a toddler could kick you too. I mean, it's like you I don't know. Be t- I don't be kicked by a hundred dollars. Well, but we're not fighting a hundred toddlers, <laughs> and there's no ethical issues on this. <laughs> Do you I, remember I, that I, website? There's like a website like. I've got a couple. I've ago. got a couple for you to ask. Oh. 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 Okay. I'm ready. Um, would you rather be four foot five or seven seven? Oh boy, I think four foot five. Okay. Honestly, uh, f- two reasons. One, I couldn't imagine fitting into a shower at seven seven. Okay, bathing just Good the answer. challenge of bathing would be very difficult. Okay, uh, my question is, are you married? Because no. if you're married, it's like it's all set. Doesn't really matter uh-huh. on that. The oh yeah, right, oh, oh right. yeah, you're yeah. still married. So <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely married. Um, I think four foot five also because uh, I I'm a fan of Mini Cooper cars. Okay, yeah. I always have been, and so you they can just fit, fit you one just of those. fine. Pretty great. I'll probably never. You, you wouldn't one. even need to put a phone book underneath you. Yeah, I'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just a little bigger than Stuart Little, I'd be fine. I um I also wrote that's a good answer by the way. Thank you. Um, I wrote down the weirdest one of these questions I've ever heard. Okay, okay. so you don't need to answer it. It's just what I, I might. If, if would you rather change gender every time you sneeze, <laughs> <laughs> or not be able to tell the difference between a muffin and a baby? Oh, geez. Isn't that the weirdest <laughs> question ever? I did not make that up. It was somebody else asked that question. <laughs> I couldn't I'll, stop I'll laughing. I'll refrain from answering that one. That is a yes, strange question. It's very strange. Because, <laughs> yeah, it would be a problem either way if you, uh, every time you sneezed, you just, oh, I'm a woman now. Oh, I'm a man now. Which is what our culture is doing anyway. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you, are you allowed uh, to ask this question? And then not being able to tell the difference between a muffin and a baby. Some people value muffins more than they do value babies. Oh, absolutely. I did not think that that was going to turn into a cultural critique right there but well was, some people are going to say like yeah. oh i need to stay off the muffins i've got enough carbs in my life yes. you know i yeah. need to stay away from this baby i've got enough yeah babies just, in my i'll life. just cut both out yeah perfect perfect well ryan anyway. dude what a pleasure it was great I thanks for hanging this. out with me tonight and um we'll have to get you back in here another time i've just uh, as you can tell we have more to say yeah, i think so i think so <laughs> yeah thank you andrew you're welcome You've been listening to the Defiant Dad podcast, show number 10 with the great Ryan McCarthy as my guest. Uh, It took a lot of restraint to cut off the interview where we did. Um, Ryan's honesty, his disarming personality, it really made the discussion flow so easily. And uh, I hope you really enjoyed listening to his words as much as I did. Um, If you have any feedback about today's show, 
truly want to hear from you. Uh, shoot me a message straight from the homepage at defiantdad.com. And uh, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. And uh, if you're liking this show, if you've been with us now for a number of episodes, uh, would you mind sharing it with a friend or perhaps leaving me a five-star rating on whatever platform uh, you listen on? Uh, this is a great way to help boost the visibility of the show so that more folks like you and I can hear the life-changing message of the gospel. Also, if you're on Instagram, I'd really love to have your follow. The name there is The Defiant Dad, all one word, The Defiant Dad. Uh, every week on there, I put uh, quotes from the most recent guest uh, and scriptures as well, just stuff to, to build you up, uh, to help, uh, yeah, build you up as you're, as you're scrolling if you haven't abused Instagram like I do. Um, lastly, of course, this is The Defiant Dad Podcast. My name is Andrew Sullivan, and uh, I will definitely catch you next Monday. Thank you so much for listening.